Hello and welcome to episode number 96 of the Petty Paisley podcast and following on from last week with Adam, still away in Canada, I've maintained an upgrade in guests. We're joined by Emory Evening News and Scotsman writer, Terrace podcast co-founder and the guy who co-founded the Peter Haring and Alex Cochran fan club with myself, it's Craig Fowler. Craig, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I'll t- Take exception to that. I, I am the. You could have the Alex Cochran fan club. I am. I am the founder of the Peter Haring fan club. That's to be honest. I will give you that. that that's very fair. Uh, massive thank you for coming on. Um, we've got an interesting game to discuss. As everybody knows, this past weekend, yeah, was the first Edinburgh derby of the season where. As me and Laurie spoke about last week, Hibs were a bit of an unknown in some qualities. Hearts didn't get off to the greatest start against Ross County. So everybody was really excited going into the end of the derby. Again, not really neutrals because every non-Hearts or Hibs fan I have seem to hate the end of the derby because it's always really shite games for a neutral. But this one definitely had stories that anybody can attach themselves to. So the first talking point is that Robin Nielsen named a changed side from his uh, team against Ross County, and it was a team that it seemed most Hearts fans wanted. We changed shape. We went to a four at the back, 4-2-3-1. It was Gordon and Goals, as Stephen Kingsley is still absent. It was Michael Smith, Craig Alkett, Kyros, and Alex Cochran in the back four. Peter Haring and George Grant named that the two. Then the three was Barry McKay, Alan Forrest, and Liam Boyce in behind Shankland. What did you make of the team when you first saw it? Were you surprised he went to a back four? Were you happy he went to a back four? Yes would be the answer to both questions because earlier in the week, Joel put it up on, on Twitter, Joel Sked, uh, obviously of uh, the Terrace podcast and of you for the Terrace and, and the Scotsman as well. He <laughs> 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 himself tethered himself quite well to me. Um, he, um, he said that the, he put up the team that he thought would, I think that, his favourite pick for what he wanted the team to be. And I, I, I agreed with him that it's what I wanted, but I just didn't see Nielsen playing with a, with a four at the back because last season, in every, I'm pretty sure in every game against him, certainly, certainly the Tyne Castle games and certainly the two games within seven days of each other with uh, the final game before the split in the, the Scottish Cup semi, it was a three at the back. And, and the... The game at Tynecastle, Hearts had actually played with a four at the back for I think a, a few weeks prior to that, and yet it, it changed it up. Something that I really wasn't happy about in the in the first half of that Edinburgh derby when we found ourselves a goal down. So yeah, I was certainly surprised, but also I was pleased at the same time, mainly because I think if you take both Stephen Kingsley and, and John Souter out of the team, and obviously Souter's away and Kingsley is injured at the moment in time, then I think the three at the back really loses its luster. Because you don't give they to, well, you don't have players like them with the quality that they have in terms of either running with the ball in, in Kingsley's case or passing the ball in, in Suter's case to really optimize that three at the back. So I was certainly happy that he changed it. What I would say is that you called it a four-two-three-one there, and I suppose it's just the kind of way that football is nowadays. Because yeah, when we didn't have the ball, Liam Boy certainly dropped into the deeper areas to help out the midfield. But I think you find everybody doing that. Uh, in, in any sort of like 4-4-2 style. So I would actually call it a 4-4-2 because when Hearts did attack, I think Liam Boyce was pretty much right alongside Lauren Shankland. And that was a surprise as well because I did think that Boyce would, even when Hearts had possession, would have taken up a much deeper role. But in the, especially in the first half when it was kind of keeping a closer eye on what Hearts' shape was, it, it looked like a 4-4-2 to me for the most part. I think that's fair. Um, a lot of people actually on Twitter that I saw were commenting on the fact that Boyce and Shankman were up top together whenever we progressed. And again, like last week against Ross County, a lot of people wanted to see Boyce and Shankman together. They played for about 15 minutes together against Stoke. Yeah, but obviously, how much can you read in pre-season? And the first kind of 10, 15 minutes of the game perhaps didn't go the way a lot of people would have expected because I wouldn't say we were on the back foot, but they definitely had more of the ball. They were creating more chances. Ellie Yuhan was very sprightly uh, and looked to use his pace to get in behind very often. There was a one notable ball over the top, over the top of Michael Smith, where Yuan got in and then managed to hit a shot at Gordon. It wasn't that solid a shot, but early chance. Chris Cadden played a fantastic ball in on his near side, but no one could get a toe to it. And 
this was kind of a theme from the start of last week's game against Ross County, where we're off to a bit of a slow start, and it seems that a ball in behind is really affecting us, and teams against us seem to be getting a lot of joy with that. Yeah, that is a bit of a concern this early in the season. It's maybe something that they can put right with a bit more... A bit more, a bit more practice. It sounds like a weird thing to say, but a bit more practice in game scenarios. Because, mm-hmm. and this is something I'll maybe come on to later on. We, we discussed another aspect of this game that Hearts have only, I mean, compared to Hibs and compared to County, Hearts have played four less games. Mm-hmm. It's you know, on the one hand, it's a it's a good thing that you're not competing in the Premier Sports Cup because, well, who wants to start the season in? mid-July yep. um, and also the reason that Hearts are we're not in this Premier Sports Cup was because of uh, the participation in European football so yeah you don't want to be in it but I wonder whether it can give teams a bit of an edge this early in the mm-hmm. campaign because you can say what you like about playing friendlies or about training harder or whatever but I don't think there's anything in football that quite matches the intensity of an actual game uh, and, and a competitive game at that and it's got there's movements that you make, there's ways that you push themselves, there's a certain intensity, there's a mental fatigue to it as well that you just don't get from playing pre-season friendly matches. And I wonder whether that's just an aspect of Hearts game that they need to just face more in actual, you know, real-life combat <laughs> to kind of use like a war, a war phrase and, and whether they can add it out. But it is, yeah, it's certainly something that's a bit concerning so far because... There isn't a lot of pace in the Hearts team in general. And I think, we, again, something we might touch upon later on, that they could do with pace at both ends of the field, I would say. That's very fair. However, we did start to get our foot on the ball. Shankland had a chance uh, where he put, uh, popped up on the left. However, Rocky Bashiri managed to make a block before, three minutes later, the goal scoring did happen, maybe not in the way that most people expected from the game. But Barry Mackay picks it up and then every... Barry Mackay way possible. He plays a beautiful no-look chipped ball over the top. Lawrence Shanklin controls it on his chest and (laughs) (laughs) allows the ball to run across him and plays it through. Shanklin's off the mark for Hearts. We'll first talk about that. Do you think it's a handball? It looked like it for the replay that I saw. Um, I wouldn't say it was necessarily that conclusive, from from all the oh, to be fair, I only saw one of them that, that kind of appeared to to strike his arm. So there might have been another one uh, where it was a bit, but it was kind of the angle of the camera I saw. It, you couldn't tell completely a hundred percent. I would guess that it did hit his hand. It's one of those ones that when VR comes in, it's going to be very interesting because if that's the, if that was the main angle to tell it, I don't think there was enough to say that that's definitely hit his arm. Um, and chalk off the goal, but it did appear to hit his arm. Yes, definitely. However, regardless, it counted, and Shankland is off the mark, pretty much the perfect game to get your first goal. I saw, I can't remember who it was, I think it was the Maroon Report on Twitter speak about that in terms of like chance to goal ratio, Shankland is incredibly high because we haven't actually given him that many opportunities with the ball at his feet in front of goal, but whenever he's got it, he's at least put the ball on target and, of course, did score in the preseason friendly against Stoke and now has scored the competitive goal. How are you feeling about the Shankland signing generally and how do you feel you can work with this front four slash three slash whatever we're going to be doing going forward? I was a big fan of the signing. The, I think anybody that had... Anybody that was really being negative about it and, and basically pointing to his top-flight goals record, I think was, was doing so either willingly or unwillingly Without any, without the context around it, mm-hmm. Shankland in his career when he was at Aberdeen, and I don't know if he had a loan spell or a Premier League cover, I can't really remember. But when he was at Aberdeen, he's basically he's basically said himself that he, he wasn't fully fit. He didn't take football quite as seriously as he needed to. He was a bit overweight, I think as well. I think that was something that some supporters when he went on loan to them commented on that he, he just wasn't really in football shape. When he went to United, he realised that he had to really knuckle down, and he did so. And he came back to the Premier League, sorry, the Premiership, I should say. Uh, there might be one of these guys that calls it the SPL. <laughs> uh, when he came back to the Premiership, he was with Dundee United. But that Dundee United team, I watched them a good few times that season. Uh, Mickey Mellon's Dundee United, they were one of, if not the, the worst team to watch in Scottish top flight 
history. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's at least since I've been watching it, uh, watching the top flight closely, which will be around about the other one, Terrace started about 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. I think they've got to be the single worst team to watch in terms of entertainment. Shankland, it was so defensive, and Shankland for most games was like 30 yards on his own, nobody anywhere near him. He still managed to get nine goals that season. Mm-hmm. And it showed it it showed and helped sharpen other aspects of his game as well. So that he was having to hold the ball up, he was having to work hard, he was having to to do all the kind of nitty-gritty stuff as opposed to just putting the ball in the back of the net. And I think overall that would have made him a better player. And then to take that man, the, the guy who's become a better all-round striker, uh, is a terrific, like even some of the goals he scored that season, the instinct he showed with some of his finishes was excellent. To pair him with Barry Mackay and with Liam Boyce, because Liam Boyce, He's known for his goal scoring, but he's also quite a creative forward as well. And I think it's true that Hearts tend to play at their best when, when Liam Boyce plays and plays well. Uh, so to have the three in a front, either a front three or, or as a two with Mackay playing off him or, or however he also wants to set this up, you know, typically going forward, it should be conducive to Shankon scoring a lot of goals. And if he, here's a prediction, here's a bold prediction for you. If he remains injury-free, he'll be the first Hearts player since John Robertson has scored 20 goals in a season. Book it. Right, well, I cannot wait until he now no longer scores any more goals for the rest of the season. As if he's near to explode on the, like a week on Thursday, <laughs> and that'll be it. Yeah, exactly. Um, after that, the kind of main chance for Hibs came. It was a pretty big chance. Eli Yuan puts a great header, and Gordon just does what Craig Gordon does and makes an excellent save uh, at close range. And then first half kind of petered out a wee bit in terms of we were starting to get a much better foothold in the game started to kind of just have a better control, passing it around. Our back line generally seemed to be really impressive, Halkett and Rolls. For Halkett, especially for someone who's previously been criticised for being part of a two, I feel like generally he played very well. Rolls is obviously still coming into it. However, I've so far been very impressed with Rolls. And then the second half almost couldn't have started better for us because we just came out the traps absolutely flying. Barry Mackay had two very big chances, one of them where... He gets the ball in a great position, but takes a wee bit too much time and allows himself to be tackled. Then there's one where I've seen a lot of people criticising everybody for it, but I think it's just quite a good save. Shanklin gets the ball in the middle of the box and pings it at Marshall, which is kind of just at him. But then the rebound falls to Barry Mackay. Probably should score it. However, Marshall makes an incredible save as well. At this point... I will be honest, there was a part of me going, oh, we're going to rue these missed chances. Yeah, I I could have had that feeling as well for, for a little bit after because I think in the first half, each side had periods when they were on top and I think Hearts scored during their period when they were on top in the first half and looked threatening. And I thought that was quite crucial. And then when they didn't do it at the start of the second, I was like, uh, I still could have had faith because I don't really have much faith in Hibs to pull a goal back. Mm-hmm. And it was really the, the the spectre of Martin Boyle that was really causing me concern. But even then, I kind of thought, let's see how fit he is. And then obviously, he didn't actually look that great to begin with. But I did I did have kind of similar res- concerns, I would say, that, that, mm-hmm. that didn't take those chances. But that double chance, I think at the time I was, I was thinking, you've got to score those. One of the two chances you've got to score. I've watched them again. Shanklin is a very instinctive kind of prod out. Yeah. I'm not sure how much more he can he can really do about that. It's just a bit unlucky that it goes so close to Marshall as it does. And Mackay at the game, I thought you've got to be you've got to be giving the keeper no chance there. Seeing it again, I didn't quite realise how much his first touch, which kind of set it up perfectly in front of him, but still probably took it just a bit too close to Marshall. Yeah. And Marshall gets out well and spreads himself. The only thing I maybe would say is that Mackay's kind of final effort is a kind of effort just to blast in the back of the net. Yeah. As, I've, as I'll now make this joke about Mackay uh, twice in the space of two days. Why does he Why does he finish sometimes like he's trying to play a through ball? Because it'll just be <laughs> perfectly accurate. Just, you know, aim for between David Marshall's legs or aim, aim at the front post or, or aim at the far post and just caress it like you're caressing a through ball and it'll end up in the back of the net because all these through balls find their target. It's just when it comes to shooting... He seems to hit the goalkeeper uh, a lot more than... Maybe that's it. Sometimes you can train forwards to, to just aim for the goalie. And if you, hit it, <laughs> if you hit it wrong in any way, it'll go in. He, he hits it too cleanly. So stop aiming for the goalkeeper. He's too good at a football. And just like, no, you need to be rubbish more and just aim yes. it elsewhere. Uh, but you mentioned um, 
obviously the big talking point from this game was the return of Martin Boyle for Hibs. Announced the day before, Hibs had said they were going to be doing an unveiling of him 15 minutes before the game, but then it was also revealed that he was on the bench. For me, it was a, the easiest thing in the world to say. It was a changing point in terms of the final result because Boyle came on, but crucially as well, we changed our shape and brought on two players who have received the ire of the Hearts fan base in the 48 hours from this alongside the manager. Nathaniel Atkinson and Toby Civic came on. We changed back to a three with uh, Rolls, Halkett and Civic there. Do you feel that the formation change played as big a part as some people are saying? Because there was an element of, even as you said, Boyle didn't look as on it as many Hibs fans would have hoped or potentially as Hearts fans would have worried. Because I felt our game management from that point up until around the 80th minute was actually still pretty solid. It's hard to say because at the time I kind of thought this is a little bit early. I still thought the Hearts were kind of in the ascendancy and I really wasn't sure about changing the shape at that point. However, yeah, after the after the change shape, Hearts still, to me, like for the first... So when, when was the change made? About 60, 65 minutes? 63rd minute. 63rd minute. So for the next 17, 20 minutes, I still thought Hearts that the team more likely to score the second goal. They looked completely comfortable. Didn't really see Hibs scoring. And so the reservations I had about the change of formation didn't really come to pass. Hearts still looked like they had full control of the game. Now, you could say, like, what if, it, what if they'd kept the shape? Okay, so I think Boyce eventually had to go off because he was knackered. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you get on. A lot of Hearts players look knackered. So Boyce has to come off. Who are you bringing on instead? Like, are you going to bring on Ginelli and play him through the centre? It would still be the same kind of... You could maybe stretch Hibs a bit more off or a threat in behind, but you'd still struggle to hold the ball up, as yeah. Hearts did in those closing stages, and it would just keep coming back. And if you do that, you're also you know, losing an extra man from midfield. And Hibs, I think, done quite well in bringing Jake Doyle Hayes off the bench. Mm-hmm. He's not somebody who, with the exception of maybe his first month at the, at the club, is not really impressed. And I'm sure he was somebody that I quite rated before he went Easter Road. But he was very good at kind of finding pockets of space and getting Hibs on the front foot in those, you know, last 10 minutes or so. So would that have meant that they just had more of the ball and to put us under even more pressure if we kept it? And I think a factor that's not been really discussed. And I think you said, like, there's a lot higher at Sibic and Atkinson. I think it's quite unfair, because I don't think... If you're looking at the goal Hearts concedes, Sibic can maybe do a wee bit better at the end, but he's caught on his heels a little bit, but I think his is, like, the least egregious mistake of about four players. Mm-hmm. And I also think Atkinson done quite well when he came on. And another thing to, to consider is that Mikey Smith's race was done. And if you're doing that, then yeah, you can maybe say like, okay, if we have had better players to, to plug into the gap, then it would have been better than Atkinson and, and Civic. So maybe you could criticise them for that. But the thought of keeping the shape and Civic going to right back didn't fill me with a lot of confidence. And Atkinson going to right back didn't fill me with a lot of confidence either because I don't think he's that great a defender. So to put the two on, I think, was kind of Nielsen's way of going, all right, they will make up one Michael Smith. And that way we can nullify the threat of uh, Cabrera, who, who does look a good sign at left back for Hibs. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of factors to, and I don't think you can say with any degree of certainty, people like to, because that's what football fans like to do, but I don't think anybody can say with any degree of certainty that Hearts would have been better off just sticking with a four. Because I think there's a number of factors at play that, that means... That basically just went into how Hearts eventually chucked it away. Basically, yeah. Uh, and as well, Nielsen blames the midfield for the goal. Nielsen says that the throw-in that came, it was actually the midfield. We lost the battle in midfield and that allowed it to break. So a lot of people were speaking about how the defence was the issue with the goal, but Nielsen himself said, no, they were on the back foot because the midfield didn't win their battles. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I, I looked at the goal again. I've looked at the goal a couple of times. <laughs> um yeah, because I don't remember seeing Cammy Devlin in the picture at all. Yeah, neither do I. So that, yeah, so that would maybe speak to that. I think Heron goes to make a challenge, it gets blocked off for the ball. And but I still would say that there are, like I said, there are four def- there are four defenders who should all do better. <laughs> Kai Rolls allows himself 
but he's a bit late in getting there. So I think that's maybe part of it. But he then tries to trip Martin Boyle. And like somebody, I remember seeing people say, like, he, should, he just needs to take down Boyle. He does, he tries. He sticks his leg out to yeah. trip him up. Doesn't get enough contact, ends up tripping himself up. And that means that he's behind Boyle. And, and obviously we know Boyle's pace. So he doesn't have enough time and space to, to make up the gap between them. Craig Halkett, for me, takes far too aggressive an angle in challenging Eli Yuhan. He's got to just show him down the byline and try his best to block the cross. By going with such an aggressive angle, he almost he nearly gives away a penalty, really. Yeah. And then that by by getting by taking the angle, he allows Yuhan to just put the ball past him and then make it easier for the cutback. And Alex Cochran, as good a game as he had. I think it was maybe a little bit of lack of communication between him and Rawls. Rawls, to me, he's got to be screaming at Cochran. You've got to cover Boyle. But I think Cochran should also be aware that Martin Boyle is walking into the penalty area unmarked <laughs> and should maybe be busting a gut more to get over. And then, as I said, Civic maybe gets caught on his heels a little bit, but he would be the one I would blame the least out of all of them. And, and yeah, maybe the midfield was posted a bit missing. To be fair, I just think in general, and it was the atmosphere in the stadium, when Bashiri missed that chance, I think everybody just thought, that's it, game over. Yeah. But I remember looking at my phone, as I do often, when it gets to like, games like that, because usually if I'm covering the game, if there's no, if there's no stop clock, mm-hmm. then every, every journalist will kind of have it on their, on their phone, like how, what minute it is. But for games at Easter Road, um, where, the, where there's always a, a clock, but the clock goes to 90 and then doesn't change, <laughs> I'll, always, I'll always put it on. Even if, even if I'm in the away end, I'll always put it on to know how much exactly left. And when Bashiri missed that chance and everybody was streaming at the stadium and Hearts fans were starting to basically sing like the game was over, I had a look at the time, there was a minute left, and I was like, hang on, this isn't finished here. Yeah. And I think the Hearts players did think it was finished because I think they just fell asleep at that goal. You was you kind of hinted at it a couple of times during it, and I think it's a very fair point. Our, I don't know if you want to call it conditioning or anything like that, but general fitness seemed to be lacking. And do you think that's down to the fact, as you said right at the start, that Hibs have been playing more competitive games than us and whatever you want to say about pre-season they are for fitness they are for getting that up but there is nothing to replicate actual match fitness in terms of competitive games and especially a highly emotive atmosphere like a derby as well do you think that we're maybe just playing catch up a wee bit and in a couple of weeks this won't be a problem or is there a part of you that's thinking oh i need to look at that obviously guys like smith who are towards the end of their career is a different kettle of fish, but generally as a squad. I'm a wee bit, I'm a wee bit concerned because I still wouldn't have um, imagined them to look as tired as they did, even though I do think they are playing a bit of catch-up and there is a, a certain a certain advantage to be had from just having four more competitive games than, than your opposition to start the season. I'm concerned because there is games coming up thick fast soon so they've to make that up in terms of conditioning they have to do it very quickly because hearts want to get off to a start similar to the last season when you sit down a marker and you say right third place is us to just kind of build up confidence in everything and just kind of believe that yeah we can do it we can play in europe and we can play in the premiership and we can still you know hold on to our, our crown as easily the third best team then you want to have a quick start you don't want to be playing catch up at any point so there is that kind of concern but i, I would think that I do think the stuff to be, I do think they'll generally be all right. And another factor you have to take into account as well is just the, the way that it's going. Like, we've all played, we've all played like five aside and stuff, and like, or, or even 11 aside. I've not, because I'm never good enough to play 11 aside, but I've played five aside. <laughs> and you know, when it's like at the end of a game and you're like chasing it, you're, you're working so hard because you've got a goal to keep up, and you know, on the opposite side, when you've got something to defend, your legs do feel heavier when you're defending rather than going for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe kind of played a factor in it as well, that it's just kind of, right, let's boot it forward, let's keep our shape, let's hold on. They've created nothing in the second half until like the last five minutes when Boyle had that chance, Bashiri had one, and then obviously Boyle's one at the end. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just try and see it out that way because they've not really done anything to that point. But yeah, so like I said, a little bit concerned, but I think, again, I think there were a number of factors at play that, that means it's not as huge an issue as maybe some have made out. I think that's fair. And obviously, it feels like a defeat for us. It feels like a win for them. But as you yourself said in your kind of review after the game as you were walking back, and as a lot of people have said, in the cold light of day the next day, you can look at this from a heart's perspective and say there are definitely positives to take. And one of them is Alex Cochran, who we've mentioned. Now, all last season, I was I have graphs. 
I was sharing the graphs on Twitter with all these defensive stats that were he's excelling and everything. People were bored of him. When he was announced at signing, there were some people who were like, oh, that's not very exciting. I was buzzing. The graph came back out. I was very excited. And then the opening two games of the season, in my opinion, he's been the best player in a Hearts jersey both games. And thankfully, a lot of people now seem to be loving him and accepting him. And I remember when you were doing your review last week on uh, the Terrace show, you mentioned Alex Cochran's name about 10 times, even in games where he wasn't involved at all. So how did you feel he did overall? Apart from the goal where we kind of can go, oh, Alex, you, come on. Yeah, yeah no, I don't think he played well. Uh, the reason I love, uh, the reason I really like Alex Cochran, yeah, love's too strong a word because uh, my, my heart is reserved for, for one man <laughs> and he... And he <laughs> And he stands in the centre of midfield, mopping <laughs> up play constantly. Um, yeah, the reason I really like Alex Cochran is just because, like, nine out of ten times, at least, he just does what he's supposed to do. He makes the right decision. He does the right thing. He stops off an attacker. He, he plays the right pass. He just so consistent in that way. And those players, I think, can often be underrated. Mm-hmm. Something that just does what they're supposed to do. Because how many times do we see players in the park that can be can be good still, but it could also do moments you're like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? <laughs> Alex Cochran never really has those moments. You can always kind of rely on him to just do his job. And and I think in the first two weeks of the season, he's, he's done it and excelled even further. Mm-hmm. I thought he was one of the best players against County as well. Uh, not to mention he's two assists in that game, although one yeah. of the assists was just kind of lumping the ball forward to Barry McKay and let him Still do it. Still, he knew what he was doing. He knew. <laughs> he knew. They have a telepathic understanding. It's like, right, I'm exactly. going to take a, I'm going to take an outrageous touch that takes three players out of the game. You just need to put it here. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, and and, and defensively, I, I just think he's excellent, and he's part of. I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is something that has been, like, a, an active game plan from Hearts in terms of their signings, like going back to last season, because I look at guys, and that was why I, I was a little surprised that uh, they had Jacob Davenport on trial. Mm-hmm. Now, having, having watched him um, play for, for Blackburn, I was actually quite impressed and would have actually been quite happy with Hearts signing him. Even though a lot of fans are like, what, what, are, we, what are we doing signing another defensive midfielder with kind of limited, you know, ability going forward. Mm-hmm. But they seem to have signed a few players like that. Like last time, it was yeah. like Benny Beningame, Cammy Devlin, Alex Cochran, all young guys, all very good at the defensive side of the game. And Nielsen talks about quite a lot about developing these players. And I think the plan is, it, it seems like the plan is to get a lot of guys that are good at defending and develop them as attackers kind of thing. And Cochrane certainly, it's only two games so far this season. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what I'll get ahead of myself because the, the, the downside of his game last season, even though he would really do something that would have you tearing your hair out, he still wasn't impacting games an awful lot last yeah. campaign. But we also need to remember as well, it's his first, it was his first proper yeah. season playing competitive football. He'd only played under 23s games for, for Brighton before and that's you know a glorified reserve league mm-hmm. so the fact that he got better last season he's now signed permanently and for players that sign permanently as well it can sometimes go two ways it can sometimes be a bit Ryan McGivern at Hibs mm-hmm. but it's like oh I've impressed on loan now, now I'm here full time and watch me be rubbish now that I've got a contract uh, or it could be right my future's now you know made up now I know where I am I've got a, once he signed a three year deal three year deal this, this is what I need to do for these three years. The, the uncertainty of being on loan has now been removed. Now I can really concentrate fully. I've got nothing at the back of my mind. I'm a Hearts player now. Let's let's go. And certainly the indications are so far, and I really hope they continue, that that's what's happened with Cochrane. Until we've, again, jinxed him, and now we'll... Yeah, yeah, it'll be him that runs into Shanklin. <laughs> yes, exactly. And before Both of these will explode. Exactly, and now we're left with no one, and we are hated by Hearts Twitter again. Before we move on to Dundee United this weekend, it would be remiss to not mention Peter Haring, because I think you are the only person who is a bigger fan of him than me, and Adam has always been criticising me for liking him this much. Well, now I've replaced Adam with you, who is just in love with him. You sent a tweet very correctly saying, has he ever had a bad Derby performance? I can't think of one. I love him. Speak about how much you love him as well. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because he's perfect for these type of matches as well. Because not only is he brilliant at breaking up play and stopping the opposition. I mean, the guy's like a wall mm-hmm. and he's great at winning the ball back. But he's got such composure 
and poise in the football that you need in, in an engine room in an Edinburgh derby where things are just moving at 100 miles an hour. It's so frenetic. You get, you get no time to do anything, and yet Peter Haran seems to find time. And his range of passing is great as well. So not only can he win you the ball back, he can then step away from the pressure line situation and ping a ball out to somebody in space and get you on the attack. He's perfect for these occasions. And it was Tony Anderson, uh, or one of our resident Hibs fans, who said, like, Haran Tyron in the last 10 minutes of that game was maybe had the biggest factor in, in Hibs getting back into it because he was stopping them doing everything. Like, including that that challenge he put on Boyle, where he cleanly won the ball and, and stuck Boyle about five feet in the air, uh, but he just seemed to lose a bit. Of, he seemed to lose the yard in those last ten minutes or so, and then that's when you really saw Hibbs get a lot of joy, which again goes back to the kind of our, our points and our conditioning and whether this is something we have to be worried about. But until that moment, it seemed like Harden was just going to be like, no, stop, you're not getting through, which is what he'd done similarly, I think, in the semi final as well in the second half of that, where Hearts were having to come under a lot of pressure and. He, he really stood up and did his job. He's just also sexy as fuck. So yes, that he helps is. as well. Exactly. Very cool guy. Exactly. So after a very insightful, nuanced, kind of punditry style discussion of the Edinburgh Derby, we had to get him back. We couldn't go two weeks without Adam being on the show. So calling in from Canada, it's Adam Kennedy. Adam, how are you doing? I'm, I'm living life, mate. I'm having an absolute blast over here. Um, and the only downside to my holiday was seeing a 95th minute Hibernian equaliser in the Edinburgh Derby. Other than that, I'm just psyching myself up to eventually get back over the water. Um, and we land on Thursday morning in Edinburgh, which is great because I know there's going to be grey, there's going to be plenty of clouds, um, and I'm going to immediately wish that I could get back to Canada as soon as possible. Hey, hey it's, it's my birthday on Thursday, so you're arriving back in the country for that. I mean, an even more depressing reason to be back in Scotland. <laughs> Great. I've, I've really missed you. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks, mate. Adam's only going to be here for the next kind of 15 or so minutes because after this, me and Craig are going to be dissecting the Dundee United game, previewing that, and then we've obviously got the quiz as well. But it's an Emperor Derby. Wanted to get Adam's thoughts on it. So, we're not. I'm not going to make you sit through the equivalent of Adam going through everything like we just did with Craig, but general points feel like need to be spoken about. The first one is the team, because as me and Craig have just discussed, a lot of people after the Ross County game wanted the four at the back. Craig, as our listeners will have just heard, you won't have, disagreed with what the formation was because he felt that instead of a 4-2-3-1, which a lot of people viewed it as, he actually just viewed it as a standard 4-4-2. However, how did you feel about the way that team played up until the 63rd minute where we changed to the three? Obviously, it was due in part to your favourite player in mind, Stephen Kingsley, not being available. Do you want to see that going forward? Do you think that's the better formation with the team? What did you think? I do want to see that going forward, to be honest. Uh, Robbie's got a history of favouring a 4-2-3-1. And ultimately, if we are missing Stephen Kingsley, it ain't worth trying to shove anybody else into a three at the back, as we later saw in this very game. So, very annoying, but I was actually pleasantly pleased with the selection. Um, of course, being over here, I still had, like, dad and pals saying that they were giving me sort of the general feedback from the Ross County game before I watched the highlights. Um, and by all accounts, Haring and Smith in the middle were terrible and needed changed. So when I saw George... is the word that I think many of you does. Let's, let's go with that. Um, so when I saw that George Grant was chucked in there, I thought, okay, this is a bit ambitious from Robbie. It actually looks like we're going to try and not counter from the get-go per se, but actually try and dominate possession and try and carve out more opportunities from the get-go. Needless to say, in that first 20 minutes, up until ironically we scored, we actually didn't look as though that would be the case at all. Um, and I thought it was a really shaky start, if I'm honest. The, the stuff that's come out about our supposed star performance in this game, I thought, failed to get going almost immediately. Um, and again, sort of weirdly, it was from the goal that we then sprung into life, bizarrely. I think that's fair. Um, as um, me and Craig had a discussion about it, I'll ask you as well. Did you think it's a handball for our goal, or do you think it's 
close enough to not be to overturned oh. every year I was in place. See, see, this is what really irks me because it's like, like <laughs> I'm gonna sound really stupid here, but what constitutes an arm in this scenario? Like forearm down low, yes. It, does Shanklin really take it down with his shoulder? Because it kind of looks like that, but I kind of not. Down with his bicep. I think it's a handball. I said to Craig, I think it's a handball. If it, if VR is there, I think that gets overturned because he moves his arm in the direction to use oh, it. Like, don't get me wrong. If I was a Hibs fan, I'd be screaming for it. But that's <laughs> because of the nature of the game. If it's in any other fixture, would I really be that petty and want it disallowed? I, I, I don't know. I, I, they, they sort of say that you're meant to give the striker the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't know. Again, I'd look like a hypocrite because chances are I'd be screaming if it, if it was given against us. So I I don't know. Well, regardless, I honestly don't know. Regardless, regardless, man, up until that we were shite. So yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Your man has got off to his goal scoring start. Great don't game pin this on me, mate. Don't. No, look, I'm saying I, that's I, a genuine I, positive. No, like, no, I, I, look, he's off. I, yeah, he's I, off. I, I'm pleased, but I've, we've, I've reiterated this countless times to you. We've seen this tale one too many times in the past. There's a striker that immediately looks good. Great, this could be the one. I'm just biding my time. But I, in fairness, I did message a couple of my pals saying, "Oh, there's Lauren Shankleton amongst the goals. That's that's nice." Well, let's maintain the positives. I want to know who you felt were the standouts for us over the 90 minutes. As you say, we didn't have the best start in the opening nice. 20, but then for the majority of the game, we were kind of in control slash the better side. So who did you feel? There was a few people on Twitter that were picked out, but I'd like to see who you immediately think of when you think of the high performance in that game. There's two that come to mind, and both are in an attacking sense, actually. I thought Shanklin was really good mm-hmm. for the most part, mm-hmm. um, and ironically was set up by Barry Mackay, who for once looked as though he was performing in a big game up until a certain point. I was really disappointed to see Alan Forrest taking off. And yes. if, like, why why not go like for like? Why do, why do we have to change the shape? I, I get that perhaps he wasn't as involved as we'd like, um, but I felt as though the two white players were far more effective than anything they had in the middle of the park. It, that, was, that seemed to be the case for Hibs as well. I thought early on, they were getting a lot of joy down the right-hand side. I thought Chris Cadden was looking really menacing. I thought that Melkerson actually looks more like a winger than he does a centre-forward. Um, and they were just looking to find Yuan at every available stage who was causing us problems. Um, but I, I, I just... The, the change of shape just really, really irritates me. Because well, we've literally... But we've, but we've said, like, no Kingsley... No party. I'm not interested in a three in the back unless he is one of said three. So before we before we move to the change, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Me and Craig, I, I'm trying my best to bite my lip here, <laughs> but it, like it actually angered me at the time. As soon as Forrest came off, I'm thinking, why? Why have you done this? Right. I want to know. I'd love to know what is the logic behind it. Interestingly, you didn't mention a single person that I thought you were going to mention in the positives. <laughs> Because who, did you, who did you think I was going to say? I thought Gordon had a couple of decent saves. Hart's Twitter decided uh-huh. kind of on four players that were standouts, and interestingly, you named none of them. Well, so I've got, I've got to be honest. One of them was Cochrane, who I thought was shocking at the start, but grew into the game. Out of 10. I, th- I thought he was terrible first half. I thought he grew into the game and was one of our better performers in the second. But I thought he first half up until we scored, I thought it was really poor actually. Well, then, that's not the first half. That's the first well, 20 minutes. Okay. Where but either everybody way, wasn't well, good. okay. Well, either way, he's not, a, he's, not, he's not carving out opportunities from left back, is he? But so Cochrane was the main one that everybody was speaking about after the game. Yeah. Harring was in the next one where it was eight out of 10. Harring was back again. You got an thought eight was, and thought eight. was all right. I thought, again, he was, like, I thought he was brilliant. I thought. And speaking to as Craig, as listeners will have just heard, as Tony Anderson of the Terrace Podcast, Craig said to me that Tony Anderson felt that was the turning point in the last 10 minutes when Harren tired, it allowed Hibbs to really come into the game more. I, I don't notice Big Pete tired. He just moves at that same pace for me the entire duration of the match. So it, I, I didn't see that. And then the other two were Halkett and Rolls. Halkett 
was kind of the main one. Halke, Halke was better than Rolls. If, uh, if I had to choose one centre-half, I thought Halke was really good. People Massive really fan of his elbow in the first half that Hibs were all raging at. I think it was on Yuan. And he was just, it? Com- he just played it. it. He sort of slips it into Grant and they were all absolutely raging. That was great content. Um, but, yeah, okay. Well, as we can see, Adam's way more down than me and further were. So and I just, I, I just thought in the middle of the park we offered next to nothing. I thought George Grant was woeful. I thought Absolutely Grant was very woeful. poor. I thought Grant he was, was terrible. And yet, I'm waiting for this supposed set piece delivery that everybody's well, this is political the, this about. Is the thing. I thought our set pieces were saying, shocking. Everybody was saying that it was like. Everyone was really excited for his set pieces. And then I think it was the worst possible game for everybody to see it because he had really poor set pieces. I, I think we actually looked more menacing from a Barry Mackay corner than we did ever in that in that game. So the change of shape. Speak about it. Anthony Brown and as everybody Fowler just said and everyone was saying Smith Smith was knackered. By the Smith, end. I can accept. That's so, fine. Smith, Smith for retired. Atkinson is a logical change. I don't, I don't not, necessarily mind that. Not according to Mr. Craig Fowler, who panics at the idea of because he's he's going to say that he can't, can't play in a back four. He yeah, can't brilliant. Right. Okay. Um, so the or or why not? Well, who came on? Civic for Smith. Civic and uh, Atkinson came on for Smith and Forrest in the sixty-third minute. Why? So it was. To I'd counter- love to know what I would imagine is it's to counteract Martin Boyle. And I will say this. And I, again, apologies, listeners, if I'm repeating myself, but I felt, and was speaking to other people, Hearts and Hips fans alike, this, the change of system didn't affect us until the 80th minute because for the, the next 17 minutes, we were still in control of the game. We were still conducting it. Martin Boyle wasn't getting on the ball as much. I'm not Harry having through him. I'm not having that it's as dominant a display as some of our fans think. Some of our fans think we should have won that 4 5. I don't. I think a draw was over the 90. I think a draw was a fair result. Obviously, it's as though we've just chosen to select happens. their points, like or select their. We've just chosen to overlook their chances because they did cause us a couple of problems. There's one where Yuan tries to bend in at the near post. There's one I say with Cadden whips in or Melkerson, somebody down the right hand side, and he actually connects with it poorly, which again decent opportunity. But I, I hear what you're saying. I think obviously when when you concede in the manner that you do, a draw doesn't feel like a fair result when it's the last kick of the game. A massive kick in the balls. But I think looking at the game as a ninety, it was a fair result. Um, I want you to get your thoughts on the Martin Boyle goal because we just spoke about it there. Shite, Robbie, absolutely shite from a Hearts perspective. Robbie doesn't actually um, believe it was the defence at fault. He thinks it was the midfield because we lost the battle in the midfield and it put everybody on the back step. As our listeners will have just heard, Craig disagreed slightly. He felt that he actually felt that Civic was the least at fault in the goal because he feels that yes, Civic should attack the ball and his position should be a bit better. However, he feels that Halkett, at, uh, Rolls, and Cochrane are all more at fault. This is this is what I want to address. So, if the midfielder at fault, then why have we not got a creative midfielder to bring on for George Grant? Because the two that come on, Devlin and Halliday are negative changes for Boyce and, yeah, Grant, like I say. Yeah. I think... The, um, that, that just screams negativity. It screams inviting pressure. And the Rocky Bashiri header just before yeah, it... just at the end. I, I thought that was it. I thought that somehow we've managed to hold on here. Um, and needless to say, we still end up pissing it away, as only well, hearts could. Well, is Robbie actually going to win at Easter Road? Hibs are supposedly in disarray. You'll never get a better chance to do so. And we've just pissed it away at the very last second. What the fuck? So I love how different these chats have been. I know Adam obviously hasn't heard the chat with Craig, so I'm fascinated to see what you think when you listen back and how listeners are currently feeling. Where it's I don't, I don't think Fowler likes my views on Twitter. If I'm honest, like we don't, I, I don't think we follow one another. So I can't see, I can't see that you'll agree with me. To be honest, I'm probably too emotional for him. Obviously, the result happens the way it does, and as you say, complete kicking the ball. You feel really agrees by it and you can't really formulate your thoughts properly until the next day. The next day comes. Do you feel that generally on the whole it was a positive game? If you look at the 90 minutes, do you think there are concerns? Do you think there are more concerns than positives? What's your take on it? 
I guess, I guess there's two ways of looking at it. I could view us as fortunate, given that I thought for the most part we were pretty shit to come away with something. I'm just being honest. No, I just, I just, I've missed this. I've missed this so much in the last couple of weeks. I'm so (laughs) glad you're back this week. (laughs) We picked up four points from six, and I'm still raging. (laughs) You're raging. Oh, only this football club can do this to me. Only you can do this to this football club. Is the actual way that's. Do you you know what the worst thing is? I've actually correctly predicted how this, like, two hearts games have gone. And I've correctly predicted both scorelines for who scored. And I'm, I'm still angry because I'm just not, like, what? This is nonsense. I'm so I'm so upset. I, I actually did put a little damper on my holiday. There, I said it. Well, that was that went exactly as I thought it was going to go. Before, before we leave you and allow you to go back to your anger-filled Canadian lifestyle. I want to, just before me and Craig get on to speaking about Dundee United, obviously me and Craig will discuss it, but how are you feeling ahead of this weekend and what do you think the score will be? We better beat them because if they're playing Thursday night in Holland and having just lost to Livingston at home at the weekend, you'd like to think the Hearts would do them, but uh, 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 um, I don't know. I'd probably scrape another 2-1 and be delighted with it because it looks like it's a great seven points from nine, but really I'm not overly impressed. I don't know. <laughs> Look, do you know what the, the, the annoying thing is? Like, Europe's going to come, right? And these games we're just going to have... Like, I'm just going to have to suck it up and be grateful of the points. You have to be anyway, but I've just not... I've just, like... It's not... We've actually looked better in pre-season than when the competitive stuff's got underway. How of does course. that... That makes sense. But, but, like... Playing against teams who were playing competitive games where we were playing random friendlies were obviously going to look worse. But they, but they want to build up, like, their fitness and everything. Like, uh, yeah, but there's difference. There's difference in competitive games and friendlies, regardless of the opposition. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just... I'm left underwhelmed. I'd like a body or two more. I think creativity would be great. That would be really nice. Like, looking at the bench, everybody's talking about, like, bringing Gary McKay-Steven or Josh Ginelli or somebody that ilk on to, like, counter. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It's not, you know, it's hardly world beaters, are they? Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I just want a bit pizzazz, some, somebody that can conjure stuff out of nothing. It's almost like I told Hearts to sign Dylan Levitt all summer and then they subsequently didn't. What Funny are they that. doing? Not listening to you. Anyway. Hey, look, Barry Mackay, potentially Lauren Shankland. GMS. And Andy Halliday. Halliday. Yeah, 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 currently yeah, yeah, bar in zero. Yeah. <laughs> They're still, hey, each other still a better recruitment rate than Craig Levine. I will not hear any different. And we'll leave it on that. So... Thank you for coming on, Adam, as you're in Canada. We, look, we all look forward to welcome this negativity oh, back yeah, for an hour. That's great. I've, I've actually been really positive throughout here. It's like the weather, everybody's morale just coincides. I'm going to come back to the pish and rain, be negative about hearts again, but I can't wait for that. So that, that, that's, the, that's the one consolation I will take coming back to Scotland is I'll actually get to go to Tynecastle and moan. Can't wait. Well, love that. So... Listeners, please stick around as now you'll hear from me and again, Craig Fowler, as we preview Dundee United. See you next week, team. But we're hoping he's going to be as sexy and as amazing this coming weekend where we played Dundee United. The game that last season continually was amazing. All games against Dundee United and Hearts were really fun to watch from any perspective. They've had in my opinion, and in most people's opinions, a pretty good transfer window. Obviously, the Dylan Levitt signing was very important. For me, the Stephen Fletcher signing kind of went under the radar a wee bit because I feel like he's what they've needed for a while, just somebody to link up. Hopefully, he doesn't do that this weekend. They do have the added aspect of coming off a year, uh, their conference playoff. Second leg will be played this week, which is why the game's been moved to Sunday. 
What are you expecting from Dundee United? What are you expecting from us? Do you imagine we're going to keep the four, go back to the three? What are you thinking? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I suppose it might depend on the fitness of Michael Smith. And yeah. if, if they feel that he's he's ready to go again, then then I would think they would keep the four. If not, I'm not that, I'm not that fussed if they, if they switch it to, to the three and just play with... Because they can play with boys up top with Shanklin still and just have Mackay as a number 10. Yeah. Uh, they, they could keep the three with boys on one of the, the wings. I don't prefer that as much, but I, I still think that would be fine uh, if, he, if he can find the gaps. He has he has played well in, in games where he, where he does take up that position. It's not his best. I think he's well, I think he's his best when he's up top, but you want Shanklin there. And I think you'd then secondary want, want boys as a kind of more a, num, a natural number 10 position. But so I, I'm not sure that it's, it matters a whole lot what, what the shape's going to be. I'm a bit concerned. I'm a bit concerned about Dundee United and I'm a bit concerned about the, the possibility of Hearts taking them ever so lightly because they have mm. because they had a hangover on on Sunday already yeah. by beating AZ and then losing at home to Livingston. So there might be an expectation that the same thing's going to happen on, on Sunday and I think that's a very dangerous mindset to get into. Mm-hmm. Also as well, I think hangovers, I've got a theory that hangovers in Europe and I've not really crunched the, the data on this. <laughs> But I did do it, to be fair, I did do it like 10 years ago or so when I was looking at Celtic mm-hmm. in the Champions League, like after or after playing in Europe in the Champions League and then what they would do on the Saturday. Right. Okay. So this this theory was born out of that, but I've not, you know, I've not done a deep dive. I've not like looked at every team. I've not like done research like anybody who would do research for a living would do. Mm-hmm. But oh, research for a living. Of course I do research for a living. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like somebody writes theses. <laughs> Just exposing yourself. Yeah, exactly. Research. All these journalists are the same. Uh, <laughs> yeah, somebody who does nominal research for a living. <laughs> the bare facts. Um, yeah, if I was somebody who had the type to do a proper deep dive, I would look into whether teams actually suffer more hangovers when they play at home than they do when they play away. Mm-hmm. So if you play a home game on a Thursday and then you play a home game again on a, a Sunday. Because I think it feeds in, it's not only the players, it's the crowd as well. Because the home crowd, they've had this game three days before, the atmosphere's electric, it's a bigger crowd than normal. They get a huge result, so the place is absolutely bouncing. Everybody comes out of it spent. You come to Sunday with as much respect as possible. It's Livingston at home. Mm-hmm. Livy are a good team. Much respect for what Livingston do. David Martindale, I think, is class. But it's still, it's not, it's not a team... It's not a game that anybody looks forward to in the calendar. Yeah. Nobody, nobody gets the fixtures out and says, right, we've got Livy at home. So <laughs> we need to be right up for this Come one. On. And I think that feeds down for the stands. I, I said as much last season when Hearts played Ross County at the end of the campaign, it was nil-nil. I remember like talking to people in the pub afterwards saying like, oh, they just came out flat. I was like, I don't even know if the team came out flat or... Because I think for the first five, ten minutes of that game, Hearts looked all right. But yeah. it's just like, <laughs> they got nothing, nothing from the crowd. Yeah. Because the crowd were just like, who cares? I was Ross in hospitality for that game and I was just like, I don't care at all. Yeah. I don't care. Who cares? It's Ross County at home. We've already qualified for third place. We're just waiting on the Scottish Cup final and that dripped down to the players. And I think that's probably what happened with United on Sunday as well. Whereas when it's an away game, you know you're up against it already. Yeah, there's the added aspect of having to fly back from, from the Netherlands and that's not going to be ideal. But you're away from home, you're up against it. Your, your away fans will make a lot of noise because all away fans do. And you just know that you have to be, you're not, as home players, you're not going to take it lightly either. You're going to, you're going to write, that's one hard game and now we've got another one. Mm-hmm. So I think if we, at any point, don't take Dundee United as seriously as we should, then we're going to be in trouble. Because as you mentioned, there's a lot of good players on that side now. Get Jamie McGrath as well. Jamie McGrath. Yeah, of course. Jamie McGrath, Dylan Levitt, Tony Watt, Stephen Fletcher. There's four players right there who could definitely hurt hearts. And they're, they've got a defensive bedrock that's very strong as well. I think that's fair. Even with your lack of research, I think that's all very, very <laughs> good for. It's, it's kind of like crunching numbers research, not yeah. like, see, I do research on Dundee United by watching them. That's... Yes, true. Very true. Uh, can, I want a score prediction and a goal scorer if you have one. I think it's going to be a tough one. I think it's not, I think it's going to be a result that will please Hearts fans, but not a performance. Mm-hmm. So I'll go 1 0, Shanklin to score, and do one of those rubbish celebrations. <laughs> You won't get this prediction right if he doesn't do a rubbish. So. <laughs> <laughs> if he does that, then that's it. Um, I th- I'm going to go the same, but I'm going to go Barry Mackay to 
go, look, I can score. I've listened to Craig Fowler and he taught me how to shoot. So <laughs> we're fine. Right, before we finish, we're going to do the quiz, which Laurie Dunsire got embarrassed in last week. However, no one has ever got a clean sweeping questions. Me, Adam or Laurie knows that. So okay. let's see if you can do the first one. There is four normal questions and then the last one is a who am I? So okay. number one is last week's opening game against Ross County was a special occasion for what reason? Like, what was it? Somebody's birthday. What? Special occasion for Right, I'm gonna guess. Fuck, that's definitely wrong. I don't know. Was it Hearts? Wait, unless you're talking about the memorial to Drew Busby, no? No. Oh, I feel bad because no, that isn't what I meant. Right. uh, Was it Hearts' first game in league game in July? And I don't know. A decade of I don't I don't bloody know. No, it was Peter Haring's one hundredth game for the club. Ah, oh, I did I miss that. Well, you call yourself a Peter Haring fan. Have I done more research? Exactly, exactly. See, it's an action. Shocking. Right, this one's. These are so random, but the, this is a historical one. When did Hearts last win the Scottish top flight? And it's multiple choice, so you're fine. Is it A? 19- no, no I could, I'm pretty sure I can tell you. Okay. Uh, oh, shit. Actually, maybe not. Actually, give me the multiple choice. Okay. A, 1958. B, 1960. C, 1959. I think it's 1960. He's off the mark. It is 1960. Smashed it. Well, with the fact that next week we're going to be playing in Europe, who was the last Hearts player to score in a European tie? Connor Salmon. It was well done. Uh, it's still it's still just really depressing that that's the scored, last game. Scored, got by the match, got booed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> then with Dundee United, our opponents this weekend, as I said, it was all really exciting games last season. But how many goals were scored across all four games last season between the two sides? All right, okay. Let me try to remember. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So, right, hang on, let me get my, let me get my fingers out here. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, um, what was the first one? First one was 2 0, wasn't it? All right, so that's right, four, I think 14. What was the. Oh, wait, there was three. Aye, there was three games at Tanner Dice, wasn't there? Yes. Is it 18? It is 18. Well done. 2 0, 5 2, 2 all, and 3 2. You're, do- you're doing very well. Right. Let's see if I'm you can. I'm going to do the first one because now it means I can't. Just, I just wanted to clean sweep. I wanted to be the first person. <laughs> well, we'll see if you can get the Who Am I because up until this point, Adam has never got one. I got one and Laurie got my Who Am I within the first clue. So, <laughs> so it'll be very impressive if we can do that. So, Who Am I? You've got five clues. I joined Hearts from an Italian side who went bankrupt. I was once described as by an Italian newspaper as an unspectacular player who fans will take time to love. Any ideas um, yet? Can I have a guess? Or yeah, I mean at any po- I, well, okay. what we'll do is... Well, I was, I was going to have a guess after the first one. Okay, right. <laughs> well, then we'll count this. We'll count I think this. it was, was the club not... Was it Salernitana? Was they going out of business? I don't, I don't watch the time football anymore, so I don't have a clue who's gone out of business. I can not. tell you, yeah. it was not them. Right, okay. Uh, well, the guess was going to have was Stefano Salvatore. It is not Salvatore. Right, okay. So, this opinion of an unspectacular player who fans will take time to love was clearly shared by Romanoff, who allegedly really didn't like him. Oh, Julian Bellier. It is Julian Bellier. Well done. He'd come for Italy. Huh. Yeah, so, Venetia went bankrupt and we signed them. The remaining clues were going to be just weird things, is that in an interview, he said he was unhappy that Bruno Aguilar had been signed in January and was playing ahead of him and hinted that he wanted to leave, but then immediately U-turned a day later and said he was just tired in the interview and wasn't really being genuine. Then the final clue was going to be, I was at the centre of a controversial sending off 
in a European tie because he got a book in for wearing an earring and then he elbowed a player in the face. No, right, that would have made it. Um... That would have been a very easy yeah. one. Um, even the one before, because um, that was maybe why he put in such a bad tackle with Bruno Aguilar in training that Aguilar yeah. was out for 18 months. Yes, exactly. But you did very well. You did very well. You've still you've you've done better than Adam because you you're one for one on the Who Am I's. So do you do you make the Who Am I's a lot harder for him? Because how, how how does he surely he would have got that? <laughs> if, well, maybe no. He's really bad at them. The two previous ones I did was, I can't even remember. I might have them here, actually, so I can just do them for you. I do. Right. Let's see if you can get these as well. So, okay. right. First one is, if I can actually get it to open. So, last season, I was a social media hit because I scored for a club and hearts were referenced in the goal. If you can get it for that, I'll be very impressed. No. No. I did I would have been very, very surprised. <laughs> it does sound vaguely familiar though. Right. Well, possibly I wrote an article about it and I've just forgotten. Maybe. Maybe. Um I then was uh, apologized publicly on behalf of Hearts for a bad European performance. Sorry, say that again. So I publicly came out and apologized on behalf of the club. All oh, right. For a bad European performance that he featured in. Okay. I have played in Finland, Hungary, Switzerland, Scotland, and Spain. <laughs> yeah, these are harder. <laughs> yeah, these are harder. And then finally, I came back to Scotland after playing for Hearts and played against them as early as 2015. Okay, right. Uh, I apologise for a poor performance. Came back to uh, 2015. Yeah. Right, so that was the first season where Hertz came back up after the championship. Yep. Uh, so he played against us that season. Right, aye. So I'm trying to go for bad European <laughs> performances prior to that. Right, getting pumped off a of Spurs would be great, but I'm trying to think of... Oh, no, because you said a goal scored. I was going to guess a goal either, but not going to be him. Um, yeah. Right, so... I can tell you the year of the bad uh, European performance. Yeah, yeah. Right, that, would, that would help. 09-10 season. Oh, right, aye. So that was, aye, getting uh, stuffed uh, by Dinamo Zagreb. Yes, it was. Um, so who was in that team? Uh, I mean, Nadi was especially bad, but it's no him. It's no him. Um, did Jose go on Calvis? It's not. That's a good guess. That was the mm. one that Adam gave for me, and I got right. All right. Um, can I just name that team? <laughs> Ishmael <laughs> Busey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, this is Lazlo's team. So, second season of Lazlo's team. So, it's, it's definitely no Mikey Stewart. Yeah. Uh, who else is on that side? Um, trying to think. Because I a few left at the end of that first season, didn't they? Like Miko mm -hmm. left, Aguar left, Carapidis left. Yep. Uh, they were replaced by generally a lot of shite. Yep. Um, <sighs> nah, I don't think I'm ever going to get this. Ruben Palazuelos. Ah, no. Nah, none of that. Now that you said it, none of that is familiar. Yeah, that's fair. And then the last one that I did that Adam. What didn't get even close to was assigned from a Champions League side, although I rarely featured for them, if ever, before joining Hearts. I scored only one goal for the club. I was viewed as an internal political pawn between Vladimir Romanov and Shaba Laszlo. Is this a uh, David Vitvin? Oh, you've got it. Very. Adam is going to be furious because he spent 15 minutes and then guessed somebody random. So you've that's apart from Palace Willows, you've done very well there. So you apart from getting Haring's celebration wrong, you can hold yeah. your head up high. But generally, yeah, massive, I, 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 I really I really missed that. I would have I would have I would have got a tattoo to, I was about to, to say the exactly. occasion. Uh, I was, was, was expecting uh, you come with a t-shirt with his face yeah, on it with yeah, that. That completely passed me by. Shocking. But generally, massive thank you for coming on. It's been 
a great laugh. No problem. It's, it's the least I could do after all the podcast for us. You, you've helped too. <laughs> oh, no worries at all. But yeah, please advertise everything that you do. So folk, folk will already know, but if they don't. Yeah, so the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. And we also, if you, if you like to hear Daniel talk about wrestling, then uh, make sure to check out Review from the Terrace, which is our kind of pop culture feed. And one of the shows that we have on there is View from the Turnbuckle, which uh, where Daniel and Duncan McKay and occasionally a guest talk about wrestling. And we also do other stuff on that, like look at Scottish films, uh, kind of popular TV shows, music, blah, 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 blah. Like loads of extra content as well as just our, our, our normal terrorist stuff. And if you are a fan of the terrorists, I always like to give a plug for the Patreon because that's the way we make money. So yes. please give us more money. <laughs> a perfect way I don't, to end. I, I don't have time to do YouTube stuff, so... No, that's fair. <laughs> that's the way we make money. <laughs> uh, I'll be back next week, sadly, with Adam. He's back from Canada, so no more fun guests until he allows it, basically. But we'll be back to speak about Dumb United and preview the European game. So until then, see you next time. Bye-bye.